Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. Now, today's message is a little bit different than what we have been doing, because as Amanda said, for the last 19 weeks, we have been in a series called Unstoppable Church. I took a break or two in there if I felt like God was giving me, giving me a specific word that I needed to really get off of my chest at that time and talk about. Uh, so we had a couple breaks there, but we were literally, we've been talking about basically the same thing in the same book of the Bible since right after Easter which was in April. So today we're going to have a a single sermon on something that I really want to talk about. Next week, you got to be here. We've got a very, very special story. We have two people that are regulars that have been at this church for much longer than I have been at this church. They're actually on vacation this week, but they're going to be with us next week to talk about their story that pertains to infertility. If you know families that have been through the difficulty of this, I highly recommend that you, that you invite people to be here. It's going to be wonderful. And then we're going to start our fall practice. We do a spring practice and a fall practice, and we're going to be starting that right after that, and that'll go for five weeks. So I wanted to take an opportunity today to talk about a few things that I believe will be beneficial for every single person that is in here right now. And this includes people that are outside of the faith. I believe every week at Believer's Church, we have people that, that have those doubts, have those questions, maybe just an outright rejection of what Christianity is. But this is also going to be beneficial for those who have been in the faith for 75 plus years. There's something that you'll be able to gather through today. As I reflect over the last few years of my life, I have noticed, and this is in, in my time of following Jesus, several observable shifts that have happened in my walk with Jesus. And those are the things that I'm going to talk about today. Please understand that I do not view myself as the definition of wisdom. So so don't take it that way. All you have to do is spend a little bit of time with me in a meeting or be my family, and you're going to recognize that that's not true. But nonetheless, these are decisions that have propelled me forward decisions that I've made that God has led me to leave. But I make a lot of bad decisions. I make really bad, I was thinking about this morning, I make really bad pet decisions. Like I make really bad animal decisions. So please understand, I still have a level of humility about me with these things. But these are, this is no doubt some things that God has used in my life to push me forward. So what I'm going to call this message today is three things that I'm so glad that I did. Three things that I'm so glad that I did. I'm very, very glad about these three things, and I hope a variation of these three things will be something that you can learn today because I can promise you they are absolute game changers in the lives of people. This list, I should first say, does not include several very important decisions that I have made the decision to get married, and not not to get married in itself, but to marry who I married. 
the decision to have kids, a particular career path. And the reason that I'm not placing those decisions in this is because some of you don't want to get married. And some of you will never have kids. Some of you have been married and don't want to get married again. All right, so th this is the reason I'm trying to make this something that could apply to every single person in here. So those are some of the obvious things. These are spiritual decisions that I believe can be applicable to every single person that is in here today. You may relate in a really strong way to one of these and not the other ones because of where you are right now because we're all in different places. Or you might relate to two of these. You might relate to three of these. But if you are in here and you are spiritually seeking in, in one way or another, I promise that you are going to leave with something very powerful. And here's the thing. The ability to change your life today. Today. So we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 2. And I just have to say, it feels wonderful to say Proverbs chapter 2. I, I can't even think of the last time we were in the Old Testament. And I think that you have to have a really, really balanced uh, view of Scripture as far as the books that you're in. So we've not been in the Old Testament a long time. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 2. And as we talk about wisdom, I'm going to read the first 11 verses here. And I challenge you, another day this week, maybe every day this week, go back and look at these 11 verses in the context of what we're talking about this morning. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. This is written by a king named Solomon. And he says this, My son, accept my words and store up my commands. Make them something that you can use on a regular basis. Turn your ear toward wisdom, not culture, Turn your ear toward wisdom and stretch your mind or grow your mind toward understanding. Call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. How important is it? Seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the mysteries of the knowledge of God. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He reserves the ability for those with integrity. He is a shield for those who live a blameless life. He protects the paths of justice, and he guards the way of those who are loyal to him. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, as well as integrity every good course. Wisdom will enter your mind and knowledge will fill you with delight. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will protect you. Now, I'd love to have all of those things as parts of my life, but you see it comes with a cost and that cost is that you are constantly seeking it on a regular basis. So Solomon gives us a lot here, and quickly what I want to do before I get into these three things is point out a few things that I read through this passage that I think are important to us. The first is this, you can avoid the rut or making the same mistakes over and over again. 
So there are some of you in here this morning, and I don't know if maybe it's your, your temper or if it's a substance or, or what it might look like, something that you're looking at online, uh, some behaviors that you have, whatever it might be, and you tell yourself, I'm this way and I cannot change. I am going to die with this particular craving. I am going for the rest of my life to struggle with this particular issue or this particular problem. And Solomon is saying, this is not the case. The second thing that we notice is that God's wisdom, and listen, this is really hard. It's even harder for people outside of the church, but it's really, really hard for believers as well. God's wisdom and what this means and what this gives you and what's collected here and the evolving ideas of culture, because culture is constantly progressing and changing, are rarely ever going to line up. And that's really, really hard for people. Because what they want to do, you know, one of my favorite things to do with my kids is tell them a story. I love to scare them to death. All right? So I tell my kids a story, and whenever Cora was, whenever Callie was little, and now Cora does this, this is what they'll do as soon as I tell this story. They'll say, well, now I want to tell you a story. And I'm like, okay. And then they tell me a story that's the exact same story as mine with a really cool variation where they've kind of put their spin on it. All right, that's what kids do. That's what our kids do. But so we can't take this with what it says and then decide we want to put our variation on it because culture says something different. And that's really, really hard for people. So some of the messages that we get today are messages like this. Be the best version of you. All right, Every, it, You're good at your core, and what you need to try to do is be the best version of what you can be. Or all it takes is all you've got. There's some inspiration and goodness within you, apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from Scripture, that you can then bring out. Follow your dreams, not the will of God, not that purpose, but figure out what makes you happy. All right, it doesn't matter what outlet within culture you may be using. This is what we hear every single day. And I'm not saying at all that those sound like horrible ideas. I'm just saying that if you make the decision to follow Jesus, those ideas are not going to line up, and you're going to have to make a decision. If you're going to go for this right here, the real thing, or if you're going to mix it with some other ideas or completely reject it in itself. But also this passage tells us that God's wisdom will ensure peace and protection. And I think ultimately that's what we're looking for at the end of the day. I think that's what most people are looking for is this idea of peace and protection. So what Solomon is saying, what Solomon will go on to say all throughout Proverbs is that if you learn this wisdom, if you pursue it with everything in you, it's not always going to look good on paper. People are going to give you a hard time. You are going to lose some friends. You're not going to have, you are going to be in the minority position, but it is going to be worth it because it's where the bread of life and the essence for what we are is actually found. So it's your responsibility to figure out how to cross that bridge. So essentially, this is what I'm saying. Your decisions matter. Your decisions matter. And every single day, the way that we talk to another person, the way that we go about our lives, 
every single decision that you make, almost every decision that you make, affects you, and a lot of other times affects other people, affects family members, affects your friends, affects people that you go to church with. It has an impact. These decisions draw you closer to God, where even these little decisions that feel unimportant can draw you away from God. And we will all, as Scripture tells us, one day answer for our decisions. So here we go. Based on that, based on Proverbs, based on wisdom, three things that I'm so glad that I did that have absolutely transformed my life in every way. And I'm a work in progress like every single person in here, but three shifts that have happened. This is the first one. I'm so glad that I dealt with the big thing. All right? I'm so glad in my life that I dealt with the one big thing. Now, this is not going to apply to some of you. And the reason for that is because you became a Christian whenever you were five or six years old, and for the most part, you followed like this really consistent, steady path. You've had things that you've struggled with, just like the rest of us, but you've never come to this place as a teenager, or maybe as a young adult, or maybe as you're a little bit older, where there has been this thing that has blocked your relationship with God in a major way and kept you from being able to go all in. Church is made up of some people that shy away from this idea of going all in. This would be called in Revelation a lukewarm lifestyle. And the reason is simple. The reason is simple. They are still holding on to one big thing. And that one big thing has tremendous control over where they are in their lives. This one big thing, because you could say, well, I got a lot of sin. I got a lot of issues. I've got a lot of problems. I'm bitter. I'm angry. I don't forgive people. I drink. I cuss. I do this. I do that. I've got all these things that are real big problems in my life. Let me promise you, one of them dominates the others. And when you learn to deal with that one big thing, almost like a domino effect, a lot of the little things start to slowly, and I'm not making them real small, but they start to come down once you've dealt with the one really, really big barrier in your life. So until we confess, until we open up to others in the body about what this thing is, we struggle with inauthenticity, or we struggle with authenticity and trying to be able to move forward. Now, this looks different for all of us. I'll give you some examples. For some people, it's that they haven't forgiven. It's that they still hold so much bitterness and so much anger toward one of their children or parents. And maybe this, this parent's passed away. Toward an ex-wife or an ex-husband. Toward a co-worker that really did them wrong. Whoever it may be, this obstacle keeps them in their place. For other people, it's drug addiction. And it's addiction that maybe other people don't even know about. But it's also some people that we clearly know because they have talked about it. They have been in rehab. They have had all these issues. And they just can't seem to get over that hump. And the thought of getting over it is like the scariest thing in the world. For others, it's a deep level of bitterness. 
Then for some, it's the way that they talk, their jokes, profanity, all these other things. For other people, it's sexual sin outside of marriage. And, and listen, most of us struggle with many sins, with many struggles, part of life on this side of eternity. But for many of you who are new to following Jesus, or maybe you became a Christian whenever you were younger, but you found yourself in this rut, this rut there is just this one thing that you tend to really struggle with. Now, for me, and most of you are, are here every single Sunday or most Sundays, so if you're new, uh, for me, it's alcohol. And I could never fully engage in the life of the church until I was able to, to put that sin on the altar. And the way that this looked, and I, you know, I really don't know. I don't know if my, my former church that I attended if they thought I was just a casual drinker, if some people had no idea, I used a lot of the excuses that you see in the Bible where well, they drank wine, they did this. None of them drank wine like I did, I don't think. But, but I made all these excuses for a really long time, and there was a lot of damage that was going on in my family. And I thought in our church at the time, and I would tell Beth, I just, I'd really like to take part in this. I think that, that we, could, we could do this and we could do that. But it was like I had this thing to where if I went too far, well, people might know about the one big thing. You know, if I went too far or I stepped into this, I might actually have to sacrifice what the big one big thing was. All right, so that's kind of what it looked like for me. Our passage tells us this in verse 8. He protects the paths of justice and guards the way of those who are loyal to him. So the key part in that verse is loyal to him. And, and just to put it just very simply, I wasn't loyal. I wasn't loyal in some of ways. And some of you, you may struggle with a real sense of what that loyalty actually looks like. Your life will completely change if you are willing to confront the one big thing. And the, the one big thing may not even be something that I mentioned that I can't even imagine what you might be going through. But how is it that you do that? How is it that you confront the one big thing? The first thing that you have to do is you have to confess it. You have to confess it. I mean, this is as, as biblical as biblical gets. Whatever it is that you're going through, and it's really, really hard, but if it's anger or frustration or bitterness or something like that, you have to be willing. Something about the words coming out of your mouth or you writing the words down does something. But that's never enough. Because for a lot of you, like myself, you need to seek help. And I can remember, I was having this conversation with Beth. I was in this hotel room, and, and we were starting the process of a separation. And I told her, I said, I'm going to quit. And she's probably thinking, yeah, I've heard this before. But I said, this time, I'm going to get help. And what that meant was I had to go public with the problem that I had. It was the most difficult thing I'd ever done up to that point in my life. This is almost 10 years ago. But I had to go public with it. And then after that, and listen, people will tell you they like it. They will tell you they want it. Like, I'm on a diet. I'm exercising. You know, you don't let me have these carbs. You make sure that I get up. People hate accountability. They hate it. The second you step into most people's lives and say, and people were just encouraging me and said, Matt, don't you even think about going to that place. Matt, don't you even think about doing that. You have to give people permission to speak into your life. 
Otherwise, this whole, I'm just going to stop doing this, without some form of accountability, that is really, really difficult. And the last thing that I'll say about this, hopefully is a source of encouragement. And I'm pleading with you from the bottom of my heart whenever I say this. Please don't waste your life. Please don't waste your life. I visioned my, had an envision, a vision of myself getting older, hurting people, making the same mistakes, telling myself that things could never be different than where they were. And there are some of you, because of this, this one big thing, and you know what, to a lot of other people, they may say, well, that's not, my, my big thing's a lot bigger than your big thing. They're all big. If they're keeping you apart from what your, what your identity is and what you can fully be. Deal with it today. Like whatever it takes, find the right people. And all you got to do is grab a, grab a hand in this church as far as the right people. Because people want to help you. Seek accountability. Seek help. Talk to people. Because the angst and the worry and the fear and, and, and the low self-esteem that comes with telling yourself you're going to stop doing something only to do it over and over again. It is so much better. Life is so much better on the other side. So I'm so glad that I dealt with the one big thing. But I'm also so glad that I surrendered when it did not make sense. When it didn't make sense. So number two, and this is more of an ongoing regular thing that is still always scary, is having a posture of surrender with decisions in your life that make no sense whatsoever. It is something over time that I've, that I've learned very slowly to practice. But if you were to ask Beth, Beth is obviously the person that I'm around the most when we're, when we're talking about things, whenever we're making decisions. It's surrender when it doesn't make sense. I mean, I believe that there are people in this church and a lot of people outside of this church and outside of church period that would really question the decisions that I make and maybe even ask, are you even doing what is best for your family in the long run? And I could give you several I could name several things in my life that at the time made absolutely no sense whatsoever financially, from a career path, from a ministry path, from a family path, every single area of my life. What's happened is I'm more scared of the consequences if I don't surrender because I've seen too many things blow up in my face. But there is not one thing that I could mention, but something that I mention if you're here on a regular basis a lot, and this is one of, the, one of the biggest ones that you've heard me talk about, is when we moved from Kentucky to Tennessee. We knew that we wanted to be close to family. We knew that that support and that stability was really, really important with where we were. But there were other things from a place to live to income once I came here from my calling as a pastor and the work that we were seeing at the church that we were at and all the things that God was doing, it didn't make any sense at all. There have been times in my life where I've said, and I know some of you have been in this place too if you followed for long enough, I've said, God, do you want me to have any fun? Like, do you want me to enjoy my life at all? 
Do you want there to be any like relax mode where I can just like step away from this and do some of the things that my friends are doing that don't seem to feel all of this weight and this pressure and all these kinds of things? I've asked those kinds of questions. But God has also uh, shifted some of my political views over time. And those have not been things that I've been ready to surrender to. But I'm like, okay, this is where Scripture is. God, take me deeper into this so you can show me. And I'm not making this a conservative to liberal or liberal to conservative thing. I think both, both of our political parties are in a mess, and that's just my opinion. Email me later. God has asked me to sacrifice opportunities in my life. And it's been really, really hard. Did you know that this year, I'm supposed to go up for a promotion to full professor from associate professor? This is the big one. I've had to wait six years for it. And I don't have time to do it. But it's a, it's a substantial pay rate. Beth's saying, you better start that portfolio right now. But each one was three years in between, and I'm like, God, if I'm going to give my family what they need, if I'm going to continue to give this church what they need, if I'm going to do the work that I'm doing at the college, I just can't, I can't put myself into going back and, and all the six years in the past, doing everything that goes into it. It's a nightmare because I've done it two other times. With, with It's been less work. And it's like, God, this doesn't make sense. Why? I thought I was supposed to be making more money over time. How does this work? This doesn't make any sense. God's destroyed my retirement plans. Beth and I, we were ambitious, you know, several years back, 10, 11 years back. We want to do this. We want to do that. God says no. God called me back into ministry when I was not prepared. We were getting to travel all over the world. We were getting to take students. I was over the honors program, all of these things. And then one day I go into the provost's office and the president's office, and I'm just like, you guys might have to make me part-time. I'm not sure if I can do this anymore because I know God's called me into ministry. None of it has made sense. And through the whole thing, I'm asking these questions. Am I really doing what's right for my kids? It's surrendering when it makes no sense whatsoever. Solomon says it this way, Turn your ear, in these difficult moments, turn your ear toward wisdom and stretch your mind toward understanding. Not what you're hearing today from culture. Not all of these things that you're supposed to do. Instead, turn your ear toward wisdom and stretch your mind toward understanding. Verse 2. Then he goes on to say in verse 10, wisdom will enter your mind and knowledge will fill you with delight. There is joy to be found in making the right decisions. And this verse that is so tough, Proverbs 16, 25, I have it memorized in a different translation. But there is a way that seems right into a person. There's a way that fits your college or your teenage life, and you think it's the future. There's a way as we grow in our careers and as we grow in our families that seems right to us. We really believe that. But the end of that way is death. And that is the path that so many people are on. This feels right. This is what I'm feeling inside. This is, this is what we're supposed to do. And the end of that way is death. Do you surrender on a daily basis? It, I mean, is that, is that even part of your, your vocabulary? 
Do you say yes? When it just doesn't make any sense at all. If you develop this, I promise you'll be so glad that you did. Because there are a lot of discomforts in this world. And there are a lot of reasons to feel insecure. And there are a lot of reasons for your mind to blow up and go in all these different directions, especially if you have a lot of people who love you and want to tell you all these things. But when you go all in for Jesus, and you make the decision that you are going to surrender everything, if everything around you falls apart, the rock won't move. It's in place at all times. And that is the greatest form of security I've ever had in my life. So I'm glad that I approached and dealt with the one big thing. And that may apply to some of you that are in here right now. Some of you may be in here and you, and you may feel surrendering when it doesn't make sense financially, occupationally, uh, you know, friendships, all those kinds of things, surrendering when it doesn't make sense. But this is the last one. I'm so glad that I learned how to wait on God. Because I am a, I am a rush into things. I may get it done. I may check off the box so you can go to the next thing. That's how I've lived the, the majority of my professional life. But I can tell you without hesitation, and it does not feel good to say this, almost all the mistakes that I've made as a pastor, uh, past tense, had been because I wanted to rush a process and refused to wait on God. Almost every mistake that I had made as a pastor was because I chose to rush a process and refused to wait on God. Nothing has taught me more in my walk with Christ than all kinds of waiting. And I preached on this recently whenever we took a, a break from Unstoppable Church. Waiting on appointing the right leader. Waiting on a commitment from someone. Waiting on the healing of a relationship with someone and not trying to rush that. Because I, I'm the, I'm the kind of husband and the kind of ministry leader that would love to put a band-aid on things so that I don't have to be responsible and just, just rush forward. You know, that's kind of that's my personality. Waiting on a financial purchase. And the list goes on and on and on. And I've had to learn through the mistakes that I've made as a result of not waiting. Does this apply to your personal life? If you're ready to buy a home, if you're single and you're really waiting for that, that right person, you know, does it apply in those ways? Well, of course it does. You know, but in the ministry life, I can tell you that I have had to sit in rooms with other leaders, with them looking at me, because I've made a bad choice, because I felt like we needed this, or I felt like we needed that, and appointed a leader that didn't work out, and embarrassed and humiliated, say that I'm sorry, and that I messed up. And it's happened more than one time. So what God has done, and I'm still in the process of learning this, is shown me what happens in the crucible moments of waiting. It's usually when I'm walking the dog, the one we shouldn't have bought. 
I'm just kidding. But when I'm walking the dog, so I'm walking Boone this morning, and he's thinking, you know, what in the world are you talking about? But I'm like, God, what do I do in this situation? What do I do in that situation? I don't know how to handle this. I'm a human, and I'm very capable of making really bad decisions. So what should we do in this situation? When we're waiting, whatever kind of waiting you may do, well, we hear this in the wisdom literature in verses 3 and 4. Call out for insight when you don't know what to do. Cry aloud for understanding. Seek it partially. Seek it just a little bit. No. Seek it like silver. Search for it like it's a hidden treasure. God, I don't know what to do in this situation. This looks like a mess. I can't fix it. And this applies to so many different areas of our lives. Learn the process of waiting on God. So the three things today, and I hope this is beneficial. I hope this is something that you can learn from. I hope that one of these areas, if not all three, are something that you can grow through. But here they are again. Deal with the one big thing. And you know what that is. I don't have to give you like a list or identify what that might be. But have you dealt with the one big thing? Number two, I'm so glad that I surrendered to a process or a situation or a difficult decision when it made no sense whatsoever. All my friends, all the people that I care about may be trying to push me in a different direction. God, why do you want me to do this? Why is this the direction that I'm supposed to take? And then to see the glory of God just manifested as that decision is made, almost instantly. Can I just say this about, about that one? There are some of you that pay me very friendly compliments on a regular basis through text message or um, in person. And can I just say, because I don't say it enough, thank you for the gift that you have brought to my life as a church body. I love you guys so much. And you have no idea how many times Beth and I are in a conversation. And I just say, we have a good church. We have a good church. And this is a blessing from God. Leaving a place that I was absolutely in love with. So you're a blessing to me. And then number three, learning to wait on God. So this has been a catalyst of growth, for growth in my life. And here's the follow-up today that I believe you can take with you. Because this works as an incredible formula. And it's this. Develop a position, a posture of confession in your life every single day. Not, not even just with the one big thing. Develop a posture of confession. So that you are regularly inviting God into your circumstances. And you are dealing with the difficult things. You're not living in your comfort. You're not just saying, okay, I'm going to stay where I am but you're dealing with sin on a regular basis. Number two, develop the discipline of surrender. That follows confession. Is developing a, a 
discipline of surrender in every area of, of your life. There is no place in the Bible, no place in the New Testament. We've talked about the church for nine, 19 weeks. There is no place for moral church attender. It doesn't exist. It's deeper. It's more than that. And then also develop the habit of waiting. Because sometimes when you've confessed, and sometimes whenever you've surrendered, you're in a waiting process for the thing that God is going to do next. Now, I promise you, I promise you that these three things will be game changers in your marriage and game changers in your friendships and game changers in the life of this body of believers. I close with this. There are a lot of decisions that you can make and decisions that you're going to make every day. And you're saying to yourself, well, people don't understand me. You know, if you're a teenager, my parents don't understand me. They don't, they don't know where I am. My friends don't understand me. People, all these things are going on. Do not miss God. There is a way that seems right into a person. And the end of that way is death. Don't miss him. With all heads bowed this morning and all eyes closed. I know that some of your hearts are, are heavy with the work that the enemy is doing in your life, where the enemy is telling you that you're supposed to be. Your family is, is breaking apart. And a lot of that may have to do with where you are as an individual. Because I believe that we as a church, or any member of a society, feel the weight of depression and confusion and anger and disappointment and we've let ourselves down over and over but what happens if today is the day that you pray and you cry out to God that you have the courage to come forward and just kneel down and you say today I'm going to deal with the big thing maybe some of you have significant decisions. There are things that God is pushing you toward. Uh, we had two people recently affirm a calling that God has on their life, one on a Sunday morning and one on that worship night that God had been dealing with them about. What if today's the day that you just surrender it all? And you say, I had these plans. I thought this was supposed to be it. But God, if you have something different for me, if there is more, I just want to give that to you. What if you're in a place right now where you want to pull a trigger on a decision and you know that it's something that you need to do, but God is saying, wait, because through the patience and through the sacrifice, I am going to show to you, I am going to reveal in my perfect grace that you cannot produce on your own what you're supposed to do. Father, we come to you this morning humble, understanding there is so little that we understand, understanding that there is so little that we can do, but that power 
is activated whenever we trust in you. And Father, we are often just an unbelieving people. We're a people that show up for a service. We're people that listen to a podcast. But God, we have often lost touch and some have never seen the mighty works of God. Father, pour out your spirit. Father, if there is anger in this room right now, if there is bitterness, if there is strife, if there is holding on, God, I pray that you unleash through the power and the glory of God the work that you seek to do today. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we begin a new series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.